steel than the first set and also generated 63% less scrap. The second set of mills could have raised workers' pay rate by 19% and still had lower labor costs. Connected to the first myth are three more myths that draw on the same logic. When managers believe that labor costs and labor rates are the same thing, they also tend to believe that they can cut labor costs by cutting labor rates. That's myth number two. Again, this leaves out the important matter of productivity. I might replace my $2,000 a week engineers with ones that earn $500 a week, but my costs may skyrocket because the new, lower-paid employees are inexperienced, slow, and less capable. In that case, I would have increased my costs by cutting my rates. Managers who mix up labor rates and labor costs also tend to accept myth number three, that labor costs are a significant portion of total costs. Sometimes that's true. It is, for example, at accounting and consulting firms. But the ratio of labor cost to total costs varies widely in different industries and companies. And even where it's true, it's not as important as many managers believe. Those who swallow myth number four, that low labor costs are a potent competitive strategy, may neglect other more effective ways of competing, such as through quality, service, delivery, and innovation. In reality, low labor costs are a slippery way to compete, and perhaps the least sustainable competitive advantage there is. Those of you who believed that the airline trying to compete in the low-cost, low-frill segment of the U.S. market would not succeed without using individual incentives succumbed to myth number five, that the most effective way to motivate people to work productively is through individual incentive compensation. But Southwest Airlines has never used such a system, and it is the cost and productivity leader in its industry. Southwest is not alone, but still it takes smart, informed managers to buck the trend of offering individual rewards. Would you have invested in the computer software company that did not offer its people bonuses, stock options, or other financial incentives that could make them millionaires? You should have, because it has succeeded mightily, growing over the past 21 years at a compound annual rate of more than 25%. The company is the SAS Institute of Cary, North Carolina. Today, it's the largest privately held company in the software industry, with 1997 revenues of some $750 million. Rather than emphasize pay, SAS has achieved an unbelievably low turnover rate, below 4%, in an industry where the norm is closer to 20% by offering intellectually engaging work, a family-friendly environment that features exceptional benefits, and the opportunity to work with fun, interesting people using state-of-the-art equipment. In short, SAS has escaped myth number six, that people work primarily for money. SAS, operating under the opposite assumption, demonstrates otherwise. In the last three years, the company has lost none of its 20 North American district sales managers. How many software companies do you know could make that statement, even about the last three months? Every day I see managers harming their organizations by believing in these myths about pay. What I want to do in the following pages is explore some factors that help account for why the myths are so pervasive present some evidence to disprove their underlying assumptions and suggest how leaders might think more productively and usefully about the important issue of pay practices in their organizations. On October 10, 1997, the Wall Street Journal published an article expressing surprise that a contrarian Motorola had chosen to build a plant in Germany to make cellular phones despite the notoriously high cost of German labor. The journal is not alone in framing business decisions about pay in this way. The Economist has also written articles about high German labor costs, citing as evidence labor rates, including fringe benefits of more than $30 per hour. 
The semantic confusion of labor rates with labor costs, endemic in business journalism and everyday discussion, leads managers to see the two as equivalent. And when the two seem equivalent, the associated myths about labor costs seem to make sense too. But of course, labor rates and labor costs simply aren't the same thing. A labor rate is total salary divided by time worked. That's how the second set of mini mills managed to have lower labor costs than the mills with the lower wages. They made more steel, and they made it faster and better. Another reason why the confusion over costs and rates persists is that labor rates are a convenient target for managers who want to make an impact. Labor rates are highly visible, and it's easy to compare the rates you pay with those paid by your competitors or with those paid in other parts of the world. In addition, labor rates often appear to be a company's most malleable financial variable. It seems a lot quicker and easier to cut wages than to control costs in other ways, like reconfiguring manufacturing processes changing corporate culture.